Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Joining me today on the podcast is Adam Stone. He is a real estate attorney, broker, and now fund manager of ADUOZ Fund, a qualified Opportunity Zone fund that uses accessory dwelling units as an option to complete value adds for multifamily residential projects. Adam joins us today from San Diego, California. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show. Awesome to hear. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you. This is the first uh, podcast interview that I'm recording in 2022. Uh, We're in the first week of January here, so new year, new podcast episode. Looking forward to seeing what this year brings for Opportunity Zones. But uh, let's let's turn to you now, Adam, and focus on your fund, which features accessory dwelling units or ADUs. It's the first such OZ fund that I've come across. So I'm I'm curious to learn more about it uh, during the course of the episode today, during the course of our conversation. But to start us off, a very basic question, what is an accessory dwelling unit exactly? Sure. Well, an accessory dwelling unit, ADU for short, is a separate dwelling area on the same property as a primary detached home. Generally, they're up to 1,200 square feet. And I think people are familiar with them. If you've ever watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will and Carlton, they lived out in the pool house. That's an accessory dwelling unit. If you watch Happy Days, the Fonz, where he lived uh, above the garage, that was an accessory dwelling unit. Now, the regulations and laws in California and other areas of the country have opened up to such a point where value-add and the development space through the use of accessory dwelling units on single-family residential properties is creating a large market for what we're looking to do. And, and, you know, we've already had some success with that process already. So, you know, we're excited to create the Qualified Opportunity Zone Fund to incorporate, you know, that model into what we're already doing. That's great. Yeah, so essentially it's oftentimes a guest house or a pool house or a carriage house or maybe an extra apartment that's built up above the garage, just anything like that. So we'll refer to all that generally as ADU throughout the course of today's episode. So you touched upon this in your last answer, but the bigger macro picture, Adam, is that there's a housing shortage in this country. And we've we've covered that topic on several previous episodes of the Opportunity Zones podcast. And particular areas of the country have bigger housing needs than others. And and California is certainly no exception to that fact, especially lower income housing, affordable housing, workforce housing. And oftentimes the solution is we just need higher density housing in a lot of these locations. I think ADUs help provide that. Can you add some additional color there though, Adam? How else can ADUs help to address that issue? Sure, Jim. I mean, you hit it right on the spot in terms of the housing needs and the, the crisis that the whole country is going through. And I think accessory dwelling units just provides another option, another tool for addressing that situation, addressing that problem. You know, in terms of what we're doing in San Diego and what the laws allow, you know, like you mentioned, there's the ability to convert garage space. And even if you have a piece of property that has a larger lot and there's space on that property to build out, you can build in accessory dwelling units. And it does just provide another option for people who want to you know, help build in the 
into those new areas for all sorts of people who are needing it. You mentioned the affordable and workforce housing. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But yes, I mean, it, it's just another tool and option. I think it's a great way to add in value for people looking to help address that issue. And has there been a push by certain communities around the country? And maybe you can speak specifically about San Diego, because I know that's where you are now. And that's where your fund has some focus in. Um, in terms of changing the local regulations and zoning laws to allow for this? What exactly is unfolding in that regard? Since the start of 2020, you know, we've had laws across the state that have opened up the ADU uh, development space. And San Diego has been at the forefront, I would say, in terms of creating laws that allow for ADU uh, development in areas that have the highest density issues and have the highest need for affordable housing and affordable rents. And they even allow for some of the regulations to not only serve as a tool to create rentable ADUs, but also ADUs that can be you know, sold and, and resold to the community, depending on uh, the involvement of nonprofit organizations. So, you know, I think with the creation and enactment of SB 8, 9, and 10, and for those who don't know, that state bill, Senate bills 8, 9, and 10 in the state of California, those are even more expansive regulations that allow for the development of single-family housing and provide for more avenues to bring in units and bring in solutions for this growing problem. Good. I'll, I'll be sure to link to those Senate bills, California Senate bills 8, 9, and 10 in the show notes for today's episode. And as always, you can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. What does that typically do to the value of the property? Let's say in the case of a single family home, there's a little bit of room on the property to develop an ADU, maybe a guest house or a pool house, you know, what have you to, to increase the density, maybe add another bedroom and bathroom to the property in, this, in an ADU. How does that affect the value of the property typically? You know, it, it's just a common answer from an attorney. It all depends. It comes down to redeveloping uh, something in your backyard where you're building ground up that you're going to add in the most value compared to maybe a, an area in your house that could be walled off and turned into its own separate space, which is called a, a junior ADU in a lot of areas in San Diego, junior accessory dwelling unit, or if you're converting a garage um, and doing the garage conversion. But just to give you a, a small example, we have a project right now that is in the first phase of two phases of accessory dwelling unit value add. And the first phase was taking the existing home, a two-bed, one-bath property with an attached garage, rehabbing the home, and then extending the garage out slightly to create its own ADU in that garage, and converting the garage into a, a two-bed, one-bath accessory dwelling unit. The original purchase price for that home was about $385,000. we have had appraised value for just the duplex or I should say the ADU conversion uh, at about seven seventy five, closer to eight hundred thousand just for the rehab and the, the conversion there. So, you know, there is a pretty significant increase in value, especially if you're doing it in a way that's, you know, rehabbing existing structures or adding in new value, new new square footage to the property. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty substantial return on investment then uh pretty substantial uh, value increase in some ways I would imagine you could pretty quickly add on some sort of ADU to the home and then just flip it and get out within a year or two if you needed to. But I would imagine turning 
our attention now to your Opportunity Zone fund that uh, you want to have a longer holding period within your ADU OZ fund. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And, and also uh, tell me a little bit more about your fund. What's your investment thesis exactly? And what are you doing within your fund? Right. I appreciate that. And I think the idea of taking that strategy of finding properties that have that value add potential, we are looking, like I said, the, the first phase of these projects and taking the existing structures and within the fund, rehabbing those structures, getting those to a livable, rentable status. But then from there, a lot of our projects that we target are uh, able for an additional significant value add on their open backyard space. And Taking that same example, I mentioned the home with uh, originally a two-bed, one-bath with a garage. Now, you know, through the first phase, the home is now a three-bed, two-bath with the two-bed, one-bath accessory dwelling unit. In the backyard space, the second phase is to add in eight additional one-bed, one-bath units that would allow for us to go from having one unit originally now to having 10 units. And then from there, you know, holding that property cash flowing through the rental income for the eventual sale exit after the 10-year hold is established to get the step up in tax basis. So we're using that as a way to, again, bring in you know the accessory dwelling units, but do it in a way that provides value for our investors and then the community as well, because these properties are going to incorporate parking, uh, incorporate you know, outdoor community spaces and things like that, on-site laundry. So it's adding units in a way that doesn't add in oh, okay. That's pretty substantial then. That's uh, You're essentially taking a single family home with a large backyard and you're converting it into a multifamily property in, in some sense, if, if I understood you correctly. No, that's correct. Okay, good. Tell us a little bit more about your fund. How much are you raising? What areas are you focused on? And uh, what types of property types and, and rates are you targeting? Uh, in terms of property types, again, we're looking at the residential mixed-use space. And then from there, we are looking for investors who had at a minimum of $50,000, but our raise initial round would be $25 million, uh, with a, a max raise of $250 million. So uh, within that time span, you know, we're, we're looking to continue to acquire properties, acquire properties that fit that model in terms of the, the value-add space. Uh, not only in San Diego, we have other markets that we're targeting. I've originally from the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, Detroit area. So you know, there are opportunity zones in those areas that are very attractive. Uh, my partner, Matt Williams III, he has a development background in the Atlanta and Dallas area. So you know we're targeting those areas as well and have some projects that are already in mind for potential expansion. So you know, I think the whole idea for our fund is to add dwelling units, not only through accessory dwelling units, but the housing options that sit that market. So, you know, I think we will see accessory dwelling units continue to expand in their regulations across the country. But, you know, until they catch up in other areas, you know, I think there are definitely options that still fit what our fund's mission is and, you know, adding in those units in a way that provides not only more housing for rentals, but again, more housing for new homeowners, homeowners that wouldn't have had an opportunity to be homeowners unless there were funds like this and developments like this going into play. As you mentioned four different markets, San Diego, obviously, and then you also mentioned uh, Ann Arbor, Dallas, Atlanta. What do you like about those particular markets? They all share some of the same characteristics in terms of different demographics and sizes, but they're all uh, areas that are highly sought after. They're seeing growth and 
you know, continued growth in a way that is driving prices up to heights and rates that, you know, they're just new for those areas. So we're seeing those, you know, Dallas um, in particular, they are starting to incorporate more ADU laws into their own regulation. So again, that provides even more value for potential developments, you know, things that could have been subdivision build-outs in the past and might now turn into subdivisions with accessory dwelling units incorporated into it. Again, more value added to the property, more housing added, you know, immediately to provide for the community's needs. So, you know, I think those four areas all serve as areas of high need just based on their growth and places that we're comfortable with and have seen the growth, you know, over a span of 10, 20 years sometimes. The congressional intent of the Opportunity Zone legislation in the first place was really to help spur economic activity and social impact, really, in in a lot of economically downtrodden areas throughout the country. How is your fund and the projects that you're developing helping to deliver on that promise of creating social impact? You know, we're looking at it from three areas, not only just adding in the housing, but also through the job creation that comes into play. Um, not, you know, from the construction and the ancillary businesses that are going to be necessary to support more of the community. We have our own ideas in terms of what some of those businesses would be to help serve the community and also fill needs that are already there. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I think, you know, in the end, if you're adding the housing, bringing in the job creation, both through the construction and the ancillary businesses, and then on the other end, one area that we're looking to build more support for and you know, hopefully these are some changes that we see with the Opportunity Zone tax law down the line is just the ability to co- to incorporate more community involvement at the investor level. And, you know, I think that's something that's important to us, too, because we, we definitely want involvement at all levels and, you know, want people to share in the, the growth that should happen in using the fund. Did you say that was a law that you'd like to incorporate some of that additional community involvement? I think in just in terms of some of the possible changes and ways to expand and open things up, I, I know that in some states, I believe Ohio is one state that has allowed at the state level to give at least some benefit to the opportunities on investment for people who aren't using capital gains. So I think that'd be an area that if possible, we could um, look to incorporate in California or find some way to, again, help build in involvement from the community as a whole. Yeah, I think there's a lot still left to be written in the story of Opportunity Zones. I do think some additional changes to the law and changes to some of the regulations could help open it up a lot more. So yeah, that's that's an interesting idea, I think, there, Adam. Well, what can you tell us a little bit more about the team at ADUOZ Fund? You mentioned your partner, Matt Williams, briefly a few moments ago. Can you give us a little bit more background on him and on yourself as well and the experience that you two have? Okay, yeah, Matt is... Uh, he's a retired military veteran. He since serving in Afghanistan and being active, he has been uh, in the development space. Um, and like I mentioned, he has familiarity and success in multiple different markets. I mentioned Dallas and Atlanta, but also areas in Pennsylvania, obviously in San Diego, other parts of California. So uh, he's definitely the construction development manager in terms of and know how to execute these projects and, and put them together. On my side, you know, I have background as a real estate and business attorney. I'm also licensed as a real estate broker. So, you know, I really focus on 
knowing how to navigate the laws and combine the different areas of local, state, and federal law to try to, to synthesize a, a formula that, that fits our model and you know is compliant with what's out there, but also allowing us to take advantage of the, the laws and codes that are designed to spur on this type of development. So, you know, I think we create a great team outside of that. You know, we do have, uh, we keep a, a very uh, experienced staff of experts and consultants at the ready. And they're on our team just in terms of helping us navigate the opportunity zone tax laws and just design and build out our projects in general. Good. Turning back to your fund for a moment now, you just launched it. Just within the last few days, uh, end of 2021 or maybe beginning of 2022 here, you're raising $25 million. What types of properties have you already identified? What does what your pipeline look like exactly? Uh, so right now, we have a couple of infill lots that we're uh, redeveloping. Those are already under contract and more working towards just the design for what the build-out would be on those. Uh, and then, you know, I, I believe I mentioned earlier in the Atlanta region, we have some connections to uh, a subdivision that is located within the opportunity zone that is needing to be finished off, built out. And that's another area, again, that we would look to potentially bring in the, the use of accessory dwelling units if it made sense. But, you know, in the San Diego space, we have multiple other projects that are in the pipeline that fit that larger lot, uh, mixed-use mixed use or single-family zoning designation that is prime for value-add. And want to speak about some of the challenges now with uh, managing and raising money for an Opportunity Zone fund. It's a, it's a heavy lift just doing the types of development that you're undertaking to begin with, but then you're also layering the Opportunity Zone tax benefit on top of it, and, and you're also dealing with a lot of local regulations and zoning laws as well and local tax incentives and tax benefits. What have been some of your biggest challenges so far in terms of getting this fund up and running and and developing these properties and raising money? No, that's a great question. I think, like you said, there's a lot of different areas and directions to go into to really cover all of your bases in terms of building relationships and, and making sure you're covering those different levels that the, the need that you you want to make sure the, the fund moves in the right direction. I think for us, we see it as a, a challenge, but an opportunity to put together different collaborations that may not have always been used or utilized to put these types of projects together. For example, we are working with you know nonprofits and other organizations that could immediately use this housing and could build support and traction for the process and for the projects that would allow, you know, in a sense for it to gain some more familiarity and comfort with this type of accessory dwelling unit value add. And, you know, I think just in general, accessory dwelling units have met some negativity from people who may not want them in their neighborhoods, but I don't think it's impossible to deny the need for housing. So, you know, I think with what we're looking to put together and how we're looking to execute, you know, that's why I mentioned earlier the need for adding in parking and adding in some of those community amenities that allow us to say, hey, you know, we're looking to address this problem. We're looking to provide a resolution to the situation to really fit this need, but at the same time doing it in a way that still is 
conducive to a, a quality neighborhood and building community in a way that helps revitalize it. Very good. Well, uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and learning more about accessory dwelling units and your ADUOZ fund. Uh, before we go, though, can you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you and the ADUOZ fund? Sure. Thanks again, Jimmy, for having me on the show. Uh, for all the listeners who want to get more information, please, you can reach out to us at info at aduozfund.com. Visit our website at www.aduozfund.com, or you can even reach out with a phone call at 619-704-2477. Perfect. And uh, for our listeners out there today, I will, as always, have show notes for today's episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast, and I'll be sure to link to all of the resources, and I'll even list that phone number as well that Adam just gave, and uh, all the other resources that Adam and I discussed on today's show will be linked there as well. Adam, thanks again for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And one more thing I did want to mention, at ADUOZ Fund is our Instagram handle. Please follow us, and we'll keep you updated on our projects and our uh, progress for everything going on. Fantastic. Well, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.